1: Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. and It's good to be with you on another episode of the Vitality Radio podcast. Podcast only this go-around. So if you're one who listens to the radio sometimes, the podcast other times, you're going to hear a replay on radio uh, on Saturday the 12th of December. I was... uh, Preempted from the FM channel that most people listen to, thanks to a Utah Utes uh, football game pregame show. And because of that, plus a crazy schedule this week with my kids and work at Vitality Nutrition, I decided that because I always say each and every week that I better give you a show for you podcast listeners. Uh, Something new to listen to. Hopefully those of you who are listening to the radio this morning will tune in later and hear this. And I guess if you're listening right now, that's what happened. Anyway, uh, it's good to be with you. I am in a hotel room with my eight-year-old sleeping in the next uh, room. It's kind of a, uh, there's a little, uh, you know, living area and then the bedroom area in this particular hotel room that I'm in. And thankfully, he's a very deep sleeper. It is 1.30, 1.25 a.m. on Saturday morning, the 12th, as I'm doing this. I got word about three hours ago, maybe four hours ago, uh, that about five or six hours ago, uh, the FDA gave emergency use um, to the Pfizer COVID vaccine. And I couldn't let that go because it's time to start talking about this. Maybe it's past time. I've talked about it a fair amount off and on over the last couple of months, but now we have way more information. Uh, the first shipments are going to be sent uh, very, very soon. Uh, and uh, they're going to be going 2.9 million of them to quote unquote frontline workers. And uh, then, you know, they'll roll out to uh, more and more people over the next couple of months all the way up until July when apparently most of America has uh, will have had the opportunity anyway to get the COVID-19 shot. Now, of course, Vitality Radio is brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. And you can call us if you have any questions you hear on the show, 801 801- 292-6662. 292 And the reason I bring that up this time though is because I've had people calling and I've had people coming in over the last couple of months saying, hey, Jared, would you get this shot when it comes out? And my answer is always an unequivocal, hell no. I will not take the COVID 19 vaccine. Now, you might think that, you know, I'm kind of an alternative guy. I'm into herbs and vitamins. You've probably heard me talk about why I don't get the flu shot because it's never been proven to do anything uh, other than cause harm and uh, stuff like that. Or maybe you haven't heard me talk about. The flu shot, maybe you haven't heard me talk about the COVID shot. I don't know what your stance is on this thing, but I will tell you that I am not alone on this one for sure. Kind of like with the flu shot where less than half of Americans get it. Uh, Clearly, half of the Americans don't think it's valuable enough to get, I guess, or to take the time to get or whatever it is. Well, that's about where we are with the COVID shot. More than half of Americans say, "Uh uh-uh, not doing it. And I'm wondering why that is. Like, honestly, I'm wondering why that is. I know what my reasons are, but I'm curious what the other half of America's reasons are. And it's very interesting stuff. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about a couple of uh, things that happened uh, leading up to this emergency use approval the EUA, as they call it, uh, from the FDA, which uh, Pfizer has achieved and probably in the next couple of days, Moderna will also achieve. They'll be granted that emergency use. That means that you can put an experimental biological drug like the COVID vaccine on the market, uh, even though it hasn't achieved the normal level of research, the normal level of uh, scrutiny that most drugs or vaccines do. Well, to calm your fears, a guy named Dr. Stephen M. Hahn, who is the Commissioner of Food and Drugs at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, uh, said about the approval process, we have the gold standard of safety and effectiveness for all medical products. The FDA, along with all of our sponsors, have top of mind the safety of all vaccines. We will not cut corners in terms of our assessment of FDA of that gold standard of safety and effectiveness. I think it was interesting that he said gold standard there twice, which uh, was basically him quoting Bill Gates uh, not too long ago talking about how the FDA was the gold standard of approving bodies. Now, if you've listened to Vitality Radio for any length of time, I've pointed out the hundreds of things that the FDA has done or not done that uh, definitely do not qualify them as the gold standard. Uh, maybe more of like a, a tin foil level aluminum. They're not bronze or silver. It's not high. It's not high up on the metal list. It's very, very low. It's where I might finish if I were to join an Olympic team. This is not where the gold standard is. <laughs> occurs. But whatever. That's what he said. And then just today, um, when the FDA's decision um, to give the EUA, emergency use authorization, to Pfizer, uh, there was some extraordinary circumstances that were released. Uh, A sequence of events on Friday morning When the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, told the FDA Commissioner, Dr. Stephen Hahn, the same guy that just said we have a gold standard, to consider looking for his next job if he didn't get the emergency approval done on Friday. So, in other words, you know, like the old Nike thing, just do it or you're going to get canned. Now, that's according to a senior administration official who spoke on condition of anonymity Because he was not authorized to discuss the matter, Dr. Hahn then ordered vaccine regulators at the agency to do it by the end of the day. So that is an interesting chain of events, certainly. I mean, if we have the gold standard of regulating agencies with the FDA saying they don't cut corners and then saying, oh, well, unless I'm going to lose my job, let's get it done by Friday. You know, maybe we should skip lunch and just get this thing done. Now, what I find very interesting is we don't know what the process looked like at FDA, but we do know a lot about the vaccines themselves. And some of what we know is pretty disconcerting. So after the vaccine is distributed, uh, scientists will continue to monitor the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System—that's VAERS. Most people don't know that exists, but uh, whenever there is a vaccine adverse reaction that is actually linked to the vaccine and not just uh, pushed aside as a coincidence, then it goes to the VAERS, the Vaccine Advent—or sorry, Adverse Event Reporting System. That's a national vaccine safety surveillance program co-sponsored by the FDA and the CDC that collects and analyzes information from reports of potential s- rare side effects. Now this actually came from the Utah, the coronavirus.utah.gov website that is um, an unbelievably uh, you know fact-based, um, certainly. Um, and, and by fact, I mean, like the new kind of facts, the facts where they have facts from some people's opinions of what the facts might be, and then they list them as facts, and then they tell us it's common sense when in reality there's a bunch of other facts that counter those facts. Anyway, that's what the Utah or coronavirus.utah.gov website is full of. But that's what that paragraph came from. And they said, well, the reports of potential rare side effects that occur with the administration of approved vaccines. Now, you know, rare, I love that word. They throw it in there all the time because it's just like this word that makes it sound like it doesn't happen very often. But what does rare mean? Well, in the case of the COVID vaccine, it's 10 to 15 percent of the people that were vaccinated had significant side effects, significantly noticeable side effects. The actual word, and I'll get to that in just a minute. So I'm not alone in my concerns about the vaccine. I'm not alone in my con- in my uh, desire to never have that vaccine and to absolutely stand up and fight against it and the mandates that people are going to want to push on it. But uh, when I said I'm not alone, I'm like really not alone. Uh, they did a poll of firefighters that was conducted. And I don't remember what state, but I think it was New York. I could be wrong there. Uh, 70% said, uh-uh, we wouldn't take it. Now, keep in mind, these are people who are kind of fearless, right? They rush into burning houses for a living. And they're like, uh, yeah, you're not jabbing me with that thing. So that's interesting. But it's not just me and it's not just firefighters. Current U.S. polls have less than half of Americans saying that they are interested in getting the shot. Less than half want the shot. And likely because of these types of polls in New York, there has been a bill introduced on December 4th, just uh, you know, a week or so ago, to make it mandatory that this vaccine happen but thankfully not everyone in New York politics is owned by pharma. There was a bill introduced the same day to ensure that it would not be made mandatory. So we'll see how those two bills play out, and I'll certainly keep you posted on that. But why is it that less than half of Americans don't want this shot? I mean, that's a a really interesting thing, because think about it. You, you're all living this with me here, right? We have this, this virus, and there's Plenty of controversy about the virus. We know, according to the CDC, that it has a 99.74% recovery rate, so almost everybody, meaning that it's rare, really rare, to use their word, that anybody actually die from COVID, but we also have this, these mandates that have been put down, legal or not, by governors all over this country saying, hey, you can't um, have people in your house, you know, more than 10 people in your house, unless they already live there. If you're going to do Thanksgiving or Christmas, you can't go to concerts. You can't go to plays unless you're wearing a mask and you're social distance. You can't go to anything unless you're wearing a mask or social distance and all these things. And then they talk about, well, we want to get everything back to normal and, and, you know, pray for a vaccine because then we'll be able to get back to normal. And that sounds great. Who doesn't want normal? But if you listen closely, there are lots of reasons why people, including myself, have no interest in this vaccine. Even though mainstream media and billboards here in Utah, probably in other places across the country, say we got to get this vaccine. It's going to be great. There's a billboard for Utah, or sorry, coronavirus.utah.gov, uh, which I then went to to see what the vaccine facts were and the propaganda machine is up and running smoothly on this vaccine and yet more than half of Americans are still saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing it. So I thought about it and I started doing some research and I looked at the reasons why I won't do the vaccine for COVID-19 and this is what I came up with as possible reasons. Well, the average vaccine takes seven to 10 years to develop, and this one has been 10 months. So maybe people just think, hey, there's just not been enough research. That's a reasonable concern, I think, for just about anybody. This is a totally unique type of vaccine. It's what they call an M- mRNA vaccine. There has never been one completed effectively and put on the market. Now, there have been many studied and all have failed. And the reason they failed is they were killing too many animals. They couldn't even get past animal trials to get into human trials for the original SARS vaccine 20 years ago. And they were put on the shelf about 20 years ago. And some of the main researchers, including a guy named Peter Hotez, who is saying now that this new vaccine is safe, even though Six months ago, he said, I don't think there will ever be a safe coronavirus vaccine. He was one of the researchers 20 years ago, and he said, we're not going to get a coronavirus vaccine. We can't do it. And now he's saying it's safe. And even during this so-called pandemic, he was saying that he didn't believe we could have one for at least a year and a half or two years, certainly not less than a year. And then he said he'd be very concerned about it. Well his tune has changed. I I don't know why, but he may have a vested interest somewhere. Hard to know. But there's two reasons why people may not get it. How about number three? Maybe people are simply not concerned about COVID. After all, as I said earlier, CDC says it has a 99.74% survival rate. Also, if you aren't already sick with more than one serious illness, then the rate goes way up from there. In other words, almost everybody like 99.99% of people recover from it unless they have two or more comorbidities already on board. In other words, it simply isn't that dangerous for people and maybe they're concerned that the shot may actually have more risk than actually getting the virus. There could be people walking out there that still believe in the acquired immune system, that still believe that people were built to come into contact with viruses and bacterias, and then their immune system would get stronger and fight those things, and that maybe we could get herd immunity to COVID in that way, the same as it happened for the original SARS. Maybe people believe that. And perhaps people are listening to Dr. Anthony Fallacy, or <clears throat> sorry, Fauci again when he says, That this vaccine's primary endpoint is not to make you immune against coronavirus, but just to eliminate the symptoms. That's not just Fauci saying that, though. That is common knowledge in the medical community. They say we won't know for months whether it actually provides any immunity. Therefore, we will still be asked to wear masks and social distance for at least six months after the vaccine is administered. In fact, getting the vaccine could literally just make you into an asymptomatic carrier, based on what we know so far. Therefore, no back to normal with or without this shot. And maybe people are digging deeper and reading actual reports from those in the trials. You know, those reports that, I don't know, maybe you haven't heard them, but I'm going to read a few for you because I think they're very interesting. How about this one? Another participant in Pfizer's trial said he was up all night after the first shot from the pain of the injection. The booster injection he received caused more of that same pain in his arm, followed by intense flu-like symptoms that hit him around 1 a.m. He couldn't sleep that night without an electric blanket and shook so hard that it became uncontrollable and he cracked part of his tooth from chattering. It hurt even just to lay in my bed sheet, he said, before he decided to finally see the doctor. Well, that doesn't sound very good, but we know that, you know, these things happen in quote-unquote rare occurrences. Well, how about this one? Let me find the right one, sorry. After getting the first shot, this is a different person, on August 18th, One of the participants said that he felt a little under the weather for several days with a low-grade fever. He got his second shot at a clinic on September 15th, eight hours later. He said he was bed-bound with a fever over 101, shakes, chills, a pounding headache, and shortness of breath. He said his pain in his arm, where they received the shot, felt like a goose egg on my shoulder. He hardly slept that night, recording... His, that his temperature was higher than 100 degrees for five straight hours. And then somebody they also uh, partook said, if this proves to work, people are going to have to toughen up, she said. The first dose is no big deal, and then the second dose will definitely put you down for a day for sure. You will need to take a day off of work after that second dose. So maybe people are reading that and saying, whoo, that doesn't sound good. Maybe people would rather have COVID. And then there might be the people who've read a report from the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee from a meeting just two days ago on December 10th. That report says this, the most common solicited adverse reactions were injection site reactions 84% of the people said they had a reaction at the injection site, 63% said they had fatigue, 55% said they had headache, 38% muscle pain, 32% chills, 24% joint pain, and 14% fever. That's a lot. Now, keep in mind that if 84% and 63% and 55% and 38% and 32% and 24% and 14% Had those individual symptoms, that most of those people had more than one of those symptoms. So maybe people are getting a little nervous about the safety of the vaccine, period. And that leads me to my next point. And I have to thank Dell Big Tree from the High Wire. Uh, thehighwire.com is where you find his show and the informed consent action network they do great work and uh, excellent research on this and uh, i in in this case i borrowed heavily for the next couple of uh, paragraphs i'm gonna i'm gonna read to you here now i actually put all this most of this is in my words but uh comes from the uh, really great investigative uh, journalism that they did over there First off, December first, the Trump Vaccine Czar said that side effects were significantly noticeable. I mentioned this earlier, in ten to fifteen percent of those who vaccinated. Well, that doesn't sound so good, right? And then, of course, keep in mind he said ten to fifteen percent, but then we just read where eighty-four percent at least had a vaccine reaction or a reaction at the injection site. Um, But ten to fifteen percent, in his words, significantly noticeable side effects. But what does that actually mean? These viruses claim to have a 90 to 95% effectiveness rate. Yet in the case of Moderna, while 30,000 were in the trial originally, only half of those, of course, got the shots. The other half got a placebo. And it's thanks to the Informed Consent Action Network, actually, that Dell Bigtree heads that they even used a placebo that was an inert placebo Because I I talked about not too long ago, if you remember, that they were using the meningitis vaccine as a placebo, which is absurd. So they actually now are using saline, which is a a real win for you as an American citizen considering this vaccine. But regardless, half the people got a placebo, 15,000, and half the people got the actual shots. They got one shot and then 28 days later got the second shot. Then 14 days after the second shot, they started looking for symptoms of COVID-19. Of the 30,000 people, 196 people actually got symptoms. So the 90 to 95% effectiveness is based on 196 people who actually got symptoms. The rest did not, at least during the study period. So when we talk about 90 to 95% effectiveness we're actually looking at 196 people but 185 placebo people got symptoms of covid-19 and only 11 of the vaccinated which is why they say it's 90 to 95% effective and on the surface that sounds really good amazing really i still question why if 90% if you have a 90% effective vaccine for an illness that 99.74% of people recover from why you would risk the potential vaccine versus the illness. That's how I look at it. But regardless, 90% effective sounds good. Now, 185 placebo people got the symptoms and only 11 vaccinated people. But what symptoms were the companies looking for? The researchers at Moderna were looking for fever, chills, body aches, headache, Sore throat, fatigue, and you had to have at least two of those. At Pfizer, you only had to have one of the following cough, fever, chills, shortness of breath, muscle pain, body aches, headaches, and a couple of others. You needed to have one of those. Moderna required two. And those lists are almost identical, right? Well, how about this, though? The vaccine czar who said to CNBC that 10 to 15% of the people who were vaccinated had noticeable side effects. And what were those side effects? He said that they were high fever, body aches, bad headaches, day-long exhaustion, and other symptoms. Well, those sound a lot like the same exact symptoms that Moderna and Pfizer were looking for. They match almost perfectly. But when you're talking about vaccine side effects, the most common time frame for those to occur is within two weeks of the vaccination, and most of them within days or hours but at least within two weeks. So if 10 to 15% of the vaccinated had noticeable side effects during the two weeks after the first or second injection or both, then those side effects would likely clear before the researchers were starting to look for the symptoms of COVID. This means that according to their own numbers, the vaccinated actually had 90% more cases of these symptoms than did the placebo group. I'm going to say that again. This means that if you take the entire time frame from the day of the first shot through 14 days after the second shot, that's about six weeks. It is six weeks. Then the vaccinated group had 90% more people with symptoms than the placebo group. An exact opposite of what we're hearing from media and government. It's just very convenient that they didn't count any of those symptoms for the first six weeks. They're only counting the ones that happened 14 days after the second shot. So what does this all boil down to? Well, to me, it looks like what we know from their numbers so far is that the vaccine will cause 10 to 15% of people to get COVID-like symptoms, but perhaps even higher percentage than that and perhaps even more severe than COVID-19. We will have no idea what the long-term side effects are because they will only be monitored for about two months after the shots. The vaccine, if it works, as well as hope, will only prevent illness, not infection. So the back to normal we keep hearing about won't come anytime soon, whether you vaccinate or not. The virus may make you an asymptomatic carrier, possibly furthering the spread of the virus. That's like a real thing. Dr. Fauci's even said that you may not have symptoms now, but you could still get infected. It is likely that the shot won't be effective long-term, We've been hearing that for months now. We know right now you have to get at least two injections, one at day one, one at day 28, but it may be annual and it may even be biannual, which could mean as many as four shots per year. And if you do get sick from the vaccine, you will not be able to sue the pharmaceutical company because they are immune to all lawsuits for all vaccine injuries. I don't know if you knew that. But the good news from all of this, if there is any, is that Pfizer and Moderna will make a killing and their stockholders will be very happy, well, unless they get the shot. And of course, we already discussed the gold standard of regulators, the infallible FDA. Oh, and of course, all of this is brought to you by the two most trustworthy organizations in America, the government and big pharma. The same people who brought you Vioxx that killed 60,000 Americans at least before they found they were covering up documents knowing it was killing Americans. And of course, Bextra, which is a lot like Vioxx, where Pfizer, the same company who just got emergency use approval for their vaccine. had the largest criminal fines ever imposed in the United States of America, criminal fines of almost $1.2 billion in addition to legal awards after admitting to criminal wrongdoing specifically with intent to defraud or mislead in relation to the promotion of a drug. So now I think, as I've contemplated it, thought it over for a while. I understand why more than half of Americans stand with me on this issue, which is interesting because I often don't stand with more than half of Americans on very many issues having to do with health. But on this one, people are starting to listen and starting to recognize that this vaccine is a fairly scary proposition. For a lot of reasons. And I just laid them out for you. And that's all factual stuff based on actual numbers from the actual studies from these vaccines that are receiving emergency use approval right now. So it is now almost 2 a.m. It's time for me to go to bed. So I've got energy to play with my little guy in the morning. So I'm cutting this one short. It's only going to be about a half an hour episode, but I really wanted to get this information out to you. I think it's incredibly valuable and necessary. And this is what I would encourage you to do, and this is not about self-promotion this time. Obviously, I always want you to share my podcast, and I greatly appreciate when you do. And I appreciate those of you who took the time after I asked last week for you to give me that five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. I got several new ones, and I appreciate that very, very much. If you have not done that yet, and you are an Apple Podcast listener, I would love for you to do that. But right now, they keep saying, we're in this together. We're all in this together. Now, I don't feel like that's actually true. I think it's pretty disingenuous, because I'm not in it the way that a lot of people are in it. I'm trying to be on the outside looking into it and wondering what's actually going on. But regardless, in this case, I think we all are in it together. They're rolling out a vaccine. Some places are going to want to make it mandatory. A vaccine that's supposedly 90% effective for a virus that 99.74% of people recover from. And now we know that, that same vaccine may actually cause symptoms in 90% more people than the placebo did. And yet they're looking the other way, they're rushing it through at the threat of job loss by the head of FDA from the Trump administration. No matter what side you're looking at politically, because I'm, I'm very confident that there has been mass voter fraud this go around. But no matter what you're looking at, left, right, or center, this vaccine is bad news. And we need to spread the word. So there's two things I would recommend that you do if you're interested in doing just that. Share this episode of this podcast share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with people asking you, hey, are you going to get the vaccine? Say, hey, I heard this and I've been thinking twice or whatever your thoughts are on it. And also consider for yourself looking at the last couple of episodes of The highwire, thehighwire.com, where they go into much more detail than what I just did, looking at this vaccine specifically. That's what I would do. And I think if you do, you'll be happy that you did. I believe the episode of the High Wire that I took some of the information from tonight was uh, December 3rd, so I would definitely check that out. In the meantime, I'm just going to remind you of a couple of things. Christmas is right around the corner, and I love this time of year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. I would encourage you to have the mindset that all is well and all is normal. This Christmas. Don't get bogged down in all the negativity of the politics and the virus and everything else. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Do what you do that makes Christmas jolly because it's a beautiful time of the year, every single year, even in 2020. That is absolutely what I intend to do. And another thing that I will say, actually two more things before I wrap this up. I am recently uh, have become certified as an NAAP facilitator, and it's been absolutely amazing. That's neuro-auto-associative programming. If you've heard Lamont Wilcox on Vitality Radio, he originally was on episode 39. We talk about freeing the mind, and in these days, with all of the stress and anxiety and all of the unrest that's happening in this country and the world, Freeing your mind of that, those addictive thought patterns that take you back to anxiety, depression, and even things like suicidal thoughts, that is powerful, and it is beautiful, and I have seen it truly change change lives. It's changed mine, for sure. I absolutely love it. If you have more questions about NAAP, Call us at Vitality, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And I just remembered something that I think is fun. And I'm going to do a quick promotion for Vitality Nutrition. If If you're local, or even if you're not, we can still do it through the mail. But if you're local, you get to come in and check it out. We have ordered specifically for this year a bunch of really cool things that are all natural, cleaner, more organic, more... Or uh, more, uh, what's the word? Uh, without all the artificial crap, basically. Stocking stuffers. Everything from bath bombs to soaps to lotions to bracelets to uh, necklaces and earrings. We even have chocolates. Some really good gourmet chocolates. Some gourmet jerkies. Some gourmet candies and treats and fruit snacks. And we have that super famous Built Bar all of that stuff as stocking stuffers on sale for the rest of the holiday season. Um, the more you buy, the more you save. Uh, so check that out too. It's I think it's exciting. There's some awesome new stuff. I'm excited to put a bunch of it in the stockings of those that I love. And with that, I will say thank you so much for listening. I hope the audio quality was okay. I don't get to hear this before it actually posts. It won't be quite as good as my home studio but I appreciate you putting up with it. I hope the message was what you needed to hear and was helpful. If you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Remember that if you're within the sound of my voice, you are within reach of our help at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. We'll take care of you. Thank you for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio.
0: been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st clair produced by elizabeth joy Wyndham, with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.